Greetings, Real Story listeners. We've created a survey so that you can share your feedback about the podcast. Your insights will have a direct impact on what we do in the future. To take the survey, go to www.greenpath.com slash real stories and scroll down to the orange Take the Survey button or visit the show notes for the link. Welcome to Episode 8 of Real Stories, Journeys of Financial Wellness. I'm your host, Crystal Lugazima. Today's episode was recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic. It might feel like our conversation is from another era, because it is. Our story features one person's journey of home ownership with her husband. Angela spent a number of years at Greenpath in several roles. Her first role was as one of our advocates. When you call Greenpath for the first time, it can be very stressful. Angela empowered people to take steps to improve their financial health. She eventually took on a role bringing innovation to the technology that supports the services we offer. Angela not only grew a lot professionally during her time at Greenpath, but as you'll hear, she was able to apply the financial expertise she learned to her personal life. She entered her career at Greenpath saddled with credit card debt. Several years later, she and her husband were able to purchase their dream home, but there were a lot of twists and turns along the way. As you listen, consider what parts of her story you might connect with. What might you do differently? What might you draw inspiration from? Let's turn it over to Angela. I was 18 when I got my first credit card and it wasn't marketed to me. I actually um, found it on my own. And at first, I, I had a part-time job, so I was able to kind of spend my paycheck before I got it. And so I was paying the balance off every month uh, for the first couple of months. And then I started to realize that uh, my limit had increased and I could spend more than what I made in a month and just pay it off over time without any regard to the interest. So I started seeing all these things that I wanted, you know, new shoes, purses, anything that an 18 year old girl would want at the mall. Um, Mm -hmm. And I started spending more than what I was making in a month. Um, And so over probably a six month period, I had racked up I don't know, maybe like $1,500 um, that I could, like I was paying off what I could every month, but there was still about a $1,500 amount that I wasn't really able to chip away at. So I'd say that's like the balance it carried at all times. Angela shared that she was able to stay on top of her payments during the early days of her credit card usage. But that soon changed as I uncovered with my next question. Prior to you starting a green path, did it ever reach the point where it didn't feel manageable or that there was stress involved with it? Yes, absolutely. So um, I spent the first four years of undergrad, because um, it took me five years, 
So I spent the first four years of undergrad working part-time. Um, and this was before I came to Green Path. And so <clears throat> that first year of college was when I was, you know, maybe carrying $1,500 and, you know, paying off most of what I was spending every month, but not all. And then as, you know, I continued in college, um, we started to, you know, do more things like in my friend group and with my boyfriend, now husband at the time, um, <clears throat> where we would like take trips and do all these other things. And so I was finding that I was using more of my money, my actual cold hard cash to do those things. And then I still had these credit cards that I had to make the minimums on. Um, and when I couldn't come up with the cash for something, I would put it on the credit card. And so over time, I got more cards and racked up more and more and more. So by the time I started working at Green Path, I owed closer to about $8,000. Uh, and I was just making the minimum because before I started at Green Path, I didn't have enough income to really chip away more than just the minimum payments mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and was there anything so like at the time that it was eight thousand and maybe let's say right before you found out you were going to start working full-time think back to your past self in a sense like what was your what was there specific sources of stress or like you know what was your mindset i guess at, at the time yeah um so i had actually leased a vehicle um, with the part-time job is my first car that I did on my own. And that is when I really started to not have a lot of like cash flow. Um, so I was really just scraping by on the minimums on my card and or my cards and I had no real plan. And that to me was stressful because um, I am a planner, but I was so young and didn't really know that much about credit cards and budgeting and all of that, that I was just making sure I made the payments because I knew that was important. And I didn't have a plan beyond that, um, but I knew eventually I was gonna need help. And then it ended up that I got the job at Greencast and learned all about um, what I could do. Tell me about that experience. Um, so now you're working at a job where you're helping others in similar situations. What did you learn? How did it shape your behavior? <clears throat> so I actually um, learned quite a bit in my first week of training. So this is where we take calls from uh, new customers looking for help. And so as part of that training for employees, you learn all about um, our debt management program, but you also learn about budgeting and the conversations that they're going to have with their uh, counselor so that you can kind of adequately prepare them <clears throat> to, you know, when you transfer them over. So really to set the right expectations of what they're going to talk about and give them just like a brief overview. So in the training, um, we learned about budgeting and we learned about what the debt management program did, um, different situations that our clients face, like the most common situations that, you know, we'll expect to see. And I started seeing myself in some of those situations and um, I had never developed a budget before. I knew I could just, I knew what my paycheck was and I knew what my obligations were and I knew that I was able to do it with not as much left over 
And that's why I used the credit card. So I would never overdraw my account. And that's how I got to where I was. Um, so I started to see myself in the client scenarios that we were being trained on. And I loved the budgeting ideas that uh, the trainers at the time presented. And so I actually went home. Um, and I never really used Excel very much, um, but I made an Excel spreadsheet and started to like put in my paycheck and put in what my actual bills are to see what I had left over. And then I started to see, okay, well, with this new job, I actually have quite a bit left over that I can start um, putting towards my credit cards. And then I decided, you know, do I snowball? Do I start with the smallest balance first? These were things that we talked about in training. Do you go for the highest interest rate or do you go for the lowest balance? So I was starting to make a plan on what to tackle and in what order. Um, and yeah, that's really how it started. Yeah, and and as as the time progressed, I know that um, you eventually put yourself in a position to buy your first condo. Um, like, mm -hmm. what steps? Like, how did we get? And I don't necessarily mean like specific dollars and so forth, but like, what were like the bigger picture steps that you had to do to put yourself in a position where you were able to buy that first condo? Yeah, so I knew that I had this $8,000 in credit card debt, and I owed my parents money as well. Not a lot, but some. And I knew that the credit cards were most important. I talked to my parents about that, and they were fine with being last um, because they weren't charging interest. So, and on the horizon, I knew that I wanted to be a homeowner. Um, and so... I saw the credit cards and the money I owed my parents as like obstacles to that. And I don't like when things are in my way. I do any and everything I can to get them out of the way. So I probably was using 85% of each paycheck towards the credit cards. When you live at home and you don't have a lot of obligations, it makes yeah. it, you know, go a lot faster. Uh, I also knew that I had uh, student loans that were going to come out of deferment. So once I was done with the credit cards, which was, uh, I started at Greenpath in January and I had made my final credit card payment in like mid-November, I That's think. That's a year. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, might have been a little earlier than that, but sometime in November. And then I um, talked to my parents again. I have a couple smaller student loans, like a couple hundred dollars here or maybe a thousand dollars there that I knew I could knock a couple out before I started to really like save my money. So they were fine with that. So I knocked about three or four out by the end of December. And then um, I made a plan to pay my parents over time. They didn't want me to not be saving. So they said, pay us a fixed amount out of every paycheck and then, you know, put the rest in the bank so that you can save for, you know, your goals. And so I started that. And by mid-March, I had enough for the minimum down payment. And then I knew that my boyfriend, long-term boyfriend, now husband, had the closing costs. We kind of had like an even split where we knew we'd be able to do it together. And so, yeah, by the end of March, we were under contract on our first property. 
Yeah, and so so by the time that that took place, other than your parents, so it sounds like that were the credit cards were paid off by then, yeah, right. And were yeah. the student loans paid off yet, or were they still kind of in process? No, um, so I had paid off some of the smaller loans, and then I um, found out that working at Greenpath, we could get a public service loan forgiveness. Right. And I had the majority of my loans are federal loans. So those would be eligible. So I paid off some of the small ones and then I consolidated and put them on income-based repayment, which helped uh, with the debt to income ratio for the mortgage as well. So you, you both were living in the, that, that, in that first condo that you bought, right? Yeah. Um, yep. And then early on, there was some home improvements that I understand you put on, on credit. So I was wondering if you could kind of share your, your, your mindset, your thought process, and any conversations that you had with Richard at the time. Yeah, so uh, when we were in the underwriting process, uh, the debt to income ratio was too high, even with you know having every, all the credit cards paid off, um, it was still uh, just over the limit. They, told us that we had to double our down payment. So instead of 5%, we had to put 10% down or else we weren't gonna be able to do the loan. So luckily my now husband is a saver. So he did have the extra that was needed. Um, and then I borrowed my half of the extra from my parents and added onto what I was already uh, paying them. So we were able to get the condo um and as far as the home improvements go we spent probably maybe five hundred dollars up front just painting mm -hmm. um we wanted fresh paint and that i believe we I, I believe we paid cash for that um but that was like the only cash on hand we had left after spending all our money to buy it and so then after we painted we were like, you know, this place would look a lot better with new lighting. So that's really what we, we started to put things on the credit card because I had discovered the introductory rate is 0% for however long. Yeah. So I actually ended up getting one of those. And um, the first thing we did was the lights, which was maybe like three or $400. So nothing crazy. Um, and then we got new appliances. So that's where we spent about $4,000, put it on a credit card, um, got new handles for the cabinet. So, it, and then we got new carpet in the basement. So things started to add up. And I'd say in the first six or eight months of owning the condo, we accrued maybe like six or 7,000 in credit card debt. Um, strictly for home improvements. There was, um, and actually not strictly, sorry, I meant to say the opposite. We also bought new furniture when we moved in. Um, so we bought a bed, we bought a sectional, because um, we, I was coming from my parents' house, so I didn't really have anything. Um, so yeah, it was six or 7,000 and it was new furniture, appliances, paint, lighting, carpet. How much of that was planned and how much of that just in the moment happened? And I speak from my own experience. When, when I moved, when we moved into our home, there were certain things that 
we knew we were going to do for sure. Like, all right, we wanted to knock down a tree that was dead and, you know, was at risk for falling on the house. That seemed obvious. But then eventually it's just like, I feel like it's like this, this itch that you get. Like once you start, like, well, I can't have the nice yard without yeah. the nice fence. And if, with the, if the yard is nice, then I have to have the nice driveway that leads into the yard. And now I have to get it. Well, again, I'm just speaking for myself. So can you speak to how much what I shared resonates with, with how it worked out with you guys? Yeah, so we planned on painting. Um, so that part of it was planned. And then the snowball effect started to occur. So we had this, these fresh paint colors on the walls. And then we're looking at all these lights, which are all early 2000s brass. Um, and our pool condo didn't feel like us because the lights were not right. So we couldn't have cool paint without, you know, new lights. And then when I removed all of the brass lighting, we had brass doorknobs and brass hinges. Well, I wanted all the brass eradicated. So then we put new hinges and new door handles, which is not cheap. Um, so we did that. Luckily, we only had six doors. It's a small condo. Um, and then our front door, the handle was brass. So we had to get a new front door handle. So it was it was definitely, I would say, not planned out as far in advance as I normally do now. Yeah. Uh, it was more of like you did one thing and that looked really nice and it made all the other things look crappy. <laughs> yes. Angela and her husband eventually purchased a second condo. And when they moved there, they started renting out their first condo. Uh, you guys became landlords and dual property owners. Um, so what did you you know once this took place what did you like about that what did you dislike um i so the things i liked about being a landlord um i i was very very proud um we were very young when we decided to take that risk and you know hindsight's 2020 but now that we're out of the landlord game uh it went exceedingly well for us um so to this day it's something that i'm extremely proud of the risk that we took and you know the accomplishments that we had in doing that um it was it was um stressful at times but we didn't have too many major incidents or repairs that were needed on either property um I have a lot of friends that do different trades, so I think that made it less stressful. Um, things I disliked were uh, I take a lot of pride and care in my properties. They're kind of like my babies. And so what I didn't like was when our tenants, when we would have to go there to, you know, fix the garbage disposal or what have you, and it was messy. That was hard for me. Um, when they moved out, uh, one of our properties wasn't in great condition. It was filthy and some of the flooring was damaged. And um, that for me was, was difficult um, because I take care of my, my properties like I, you know, like I lived there. So tell me more about your journey of buying and selling properties where things stand today and 
really what I'm what I'd love to learn more about is what would you do the same? What would you do differently? In other words, what advice would you give your past self? Wait. <laughs> um I definitely would have done everything that I did, but I would have waited and tried to pay cash up front for more of what we did versus like doing the balance transfer checks on credit cards just to finish up a project. Um, I think that I would also budget the project better. Um, I spent a lot of time focusing on our budget. And then as far as the project went, I let my design sense kind of control what we did. And I never overspent in terms of the area and the value of the property. But I do wish that I had budgeted out ahead of time. Like, this is how much a bathtub costs. And this is how much we're going to pay for tile um, because we were receiving itemized quotes from our contractor for labor only because I wanted to purchase all the materials and again, be in control of that. Um, and so while we had the labor budgeted, we, as far as the materials went, um, that was just kind of a free for all. You kind of decided that on the fly as the project developed, it sounds like. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Walk me big picture, uh, you know, high level. How did you get from the second condo where you first became landlords to the fifth property that you're currently, not that you have all of them now, but how you got there? So this is our fourth property. Um, okay. We went condo, condo, house, house. And um, we are in our dream home now. And we bought it earlier than we had planned. and. Um, in order to do so, we had to sell the other three properties. Um, and I'd say the journey was kind of, again, not planned. So we bought that first condo and after living there for 15 months and having you know, done those renovations, um, my husband's boss had his own condo, which is where my husband used to live. And he was done with being a landlord and he wanted to just sell it you know, for cheap to someone who'd be willing to fix it up. And I saw that as a great investment opportunity and with a lot of convincing, um, my husband agreed. So we didn't wanna sell our condo that we were living in, we wanted to keep it. So we decided to rent it out. And we figured that if we rented it out, the income that we had from that could help subsidize the renovations on the next condo. So we did that, we rented it out, moved to this condo, lived in it as is for a little while. And then we started to renovate. And when all was said and done, we lived there for about another six or eight months after it had been fully renovated and was really nice. And we, a house came up in an area that that doesn't happen very often that we have always wanted to live. So we got pre-approved on the fly just to see if we could make it happen. Um, and the plan was that if we got this house, we would 
rent out the other condo and essentially have two rentals. And the way that we got approved for the mortgage was based on that scenario as well. So the house ended up being full of mold. So we did not put in, we did not put in an offer. We actually had um, our inspector with us when we, when we walked the house. And so we didn't even make an offer, but we decided to keep looking because we were already pre-approved and it's me. Mm -hmm. So we found another house very, very close to that one. Um, and we, we jumped on it. So then we ended up renting out our condo, having two rentals, moved into this house, the basement caved in. So we did a lot of renovations, not the one we're in now, but the house before this. Yeah, that was After really you fun. moved in, the basement caved in? Like what? Yeah. What had caused that? Uh, we were mudjacking the front slab, our front porch, because it was angled towards the house instead of away from the house. And uh, when they were pumping the wet cement underneath the slab, there was a weak spot in the front basement wall that we didn't know about. And it was in the corner, which is almost never a weak spot. And I was actually uh, working from home that day. And I hear this big, loud, like, flash almost. And I went in the basement. And at first, I didn't notice it. And I'm, like, looking around. And I see blocks fell in, wet concrete everywhere. It fell. It came in over the sill plate. It came in through the blocks that came in. And my husband had just got on a plane to Georgia. Oh. So that was a fun day. So luckily, <clears throat> the basement cave-in was covered mm. because we had already, it was a lifetime warranty, and we'd already spent all of that money, which, by the way, went on a credit card. Mm -hmm. um, we got money off the purchase price, and then we decided we would just figure out how to pay for it ourselves instead of putting money in escrow. Mm -hmm. So that was covered. But yeah, the waterproofing is what started the renovations on that house and the credit card debt that we had got out of and now we're coming back into. <clears throat> so we did the basement, we blew out a wall in the kitchen, got new appliances. It was kind of a snowball thing where, you know, you see these like little things that aren't perfect. And I started to tackle them little by little and suddenly the project got bigger and bigger. Um, and yeah, we fully renovated the house at the end of living there for 10 months. Then there was the, the dream home after that, right? So how did that come into being? Yep. So we sold the second condo first, the one that we gutted and totally redid. Um, then we sold our house, the one with the basement cave in, which we fully, you know, repaired and everything was good. And we uh, moved in with my parents because we were waiting for our tenant at the first condo to move out. But she was so fantastic. We weren't just going to kick her out. Right. <clears throat> so we lived with my parents for about seven weeks and we just banked money, which was great. Um, and we paid any credit card debt off that we had from uh, some of the proceeds from selling the two places. And then we still had money in the bank left over, which was good. So after seven weeks, we moved back to the first condo and life was good. We did some minor renovations. Uh, we put in new countertops and a new backsplash and tiled the fireplace. 
all of that, we paid it in cash because we had it. And we were supposed to just coast until spring and then put it up for sale in the spring and start looking for the dream home at that time. Well, we lived there for about a month and I was bored. <laughs> I ran out of projects. And so I started looking at new builds uh, that were in our area just to see like what we could do. Because uh, my husband was so over projects, he was done. He did not want to do any anything else. He wanted to move. He wanted to move in ready. So he went out of town, which is normally when I get into trouble. And I went to this new build community and I toured it, and I liked it. I thought, you know, this could work for us. And the the base price gave us enough room where we would still have some money to do some upgrades and things. So I don't know how, but I convinced him to go look at it in October when we had just moved into our condo three weeks ago. And he loved it. He was like, oh my God, I don't have to do anything. So he was on board and we were, we hadn't signed anything, but we were picking our floor plan, choosing our lot and all of this stuff. And our realtor, she said, let me show you some houses that are the same price or around the same price, but that are, you know, already existing homes, just to make sure that you're confident in this decision and you're getting the most bang for your buck, which was smart. My husband says that was his idea. I think it was her idea. None of us can agree. So that Saturday, she took us to see five houses. We, the first four, we did not like any of them. We thought the new build was still the best choice and then we pull into our neighborhood now our neighborhood and from like the moment we pulled in I was like uh-oh and my husband's like why are we here like we can't afford anything in here and our agent was just like just let me take you and we're like okay and we pull up to the house which is like massive and we're like are you sure and we go inside and it's filthy it's so dirty so gross and stuck in the 90s but it's huge it's like way it's like all three of the properties we owned before combined plus some it's like it's huge and we're like okay we have a lake here we have ponds and woods and a big house we have to do this we have to do everything we can to get this house and my that husband was, was like too, or that was your reaction it was both of our reaction because he he's always wanted the house that's like the hub. So when he was a kid, all the friends came to his house. His house is the hangout spot. And so when we have kids, he wants that. He wants them and their friends to be able to come here, feel safe, have space to like play, hang out, whatever. And we have parties a lot too. So it's so we both were like, whoa, like if we can get this house for a price we can afford we would be silly not to try. Um, and so we ended up getting it uh, for a lot less than what houses in this neighborhood go for, which is the best you can hope for when you're buying a house, worst house in the best neighborhood. Yep. Um, and so in mid-December, instead of the spring, we um, sold our first condo and bought the house. Um, and so what are some of your 
financial goals, either related to the house or, or in general, in the coming months and year? Yes. So we are actually in underwriting um, for a closed-end home equity loan right now because not by choice, we accrued some debt from having, like, having to do structural work to the house. Um, also, we got hit on our taxes for selling three properties in one year. <laughs> Did you know the structural uh, fixes were needed at the time you purchased, or do those come to light later? No, no. So the thing about our inspection was that it was very thorough, but it was winter and everything was covered in ice and snow. Um, and so it was almost impossible to tell that this um, side of the garage, the entire exterior wall was rotted. And then um, there was a, a beam that goes across the front of the home that holds up the roof on the front porch and what have you. And that was also rotted through. So when we had them out to replace the garage wall, which was supposed to be like two grand, they discovered all of this other wood rot you know, this beam and then around the porch and all this stuff. Um, and so the price shot up to six grand. And since they were already in there, they didn't want to adhere new material to things that were rotted. Of course. And so well, another balance transfer check and $6,000 later. Uh, and now it's all sound and um, taken care of. And we had to get new gutters because that, the whole front of the house is what they were taking off and replacing. Um, so that was an unexpected expense. So we had that and then the money we owed from our taxes. Um, and then we did have uh, ex existing credit card debt, not a lot, but some when we bought the home. And we used everything that we had from savings and from selling the properties to put down on the house to bring the payment down so that it would allow us to have good cash flow. Mm -hmm. And now I'm kind of regretting that. I wish we would have put less down and had had some money in the bank to take care of these things. But anyway, so we're in underwriting right now on a closed end home equity loan. Um, and so we'll be able to pay off all of that debt. Is there anything related to money that's currently keeping you up at night? Um, ever since we got like, because we're through underwriting now. We're just waiting to schedule a closing. Ever since I found out we were through underwriting, no. Because I know now that our payment, like the amount of credit card payments I was making, well, actually, I just made all of them one last time, but that amount is being cut like into a third with this home equity loan. So all of that money that we had, it was just going to these. Now we can put it in the bank. So before yeah, the home equity keeping, loan? Yeah, so that's unless, uh, part two of my question. What was keeping you up at night before you knew this closed-ended home equity loan was an option? Yes, before uh, it was shelling out almost $700 a month in credit card payments. And while yes, we can do it, that means that we can't do a whole lot of anything else, um, like have a kid. <laughs> so that was uh, 
that was definitely keeping me up is just thinking like, okay, yes, we can keep up with our bills, but we really aren't able to put very much away and it's preventing us from achieving goals. Like we can't get a new car. We can't have a kid right now. We can't do any projects or renovations. Like we're just existing. And I am a very, very goal oriented person. I always want to be doing something like what's next. And so for me, that was um, very, very stressful. And I felt unfulfilled because I couldn't do anything except make credit card payments, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, th I think maybe we, we kind of glossed over that state of being running in place, right? Uh, and then, okay, you're closing on the loan. But I remember you had, in your notes, you had shared a story of like, that wasn't just like, you woke up one morning and said, I'm going to contact my credit union and get this. Tell me about how that even took place. Yeah. So I had lunch with um, one of the program managers at Greenpath, who's a realtor. And this was probably two months ago. And I had just briefly like mentioned that we were going to be looking into refinancing um, I didn't tell him, you know, how much debt we had or anything like that, but just that, you know, we had some debt we wanted to pay off and, you know, what do you recommend? Because he also is a landlord um, and is very well versed in like mortgages and things like that. And so he had suggested um, a credit union and some different ways of doing things. And I was just waiting until I was able to apply. Um, because you have to be in the home for six months before you can do anything. And so for us, that was mid-June. So the period leading up to mid-June was just like, we just have to, we just have to make these payments and get by. And once I could apply, I did. And we actually got denied for a refinance. Hmm. Um, just uh, a refinance with cash out, sorry, okay. uh, to, that to essentially do what we're doing with the with the home equity loan the uh debt to income margins were too tight so we got denied and i really thought that that was it like we were just stuck because the person that i talked to to tell me that we got denied was not the woman that i had been working with through the whole application process it was just some random guy in their call center um and so we just kind of hung up and I was actually walking out of work when I took that phone call and I got in my car and I went and ordered a pizza so I could eat my feelings <laughs> and came home and just tried to like distract myself really. Um, and the next day, the girl who I had been working with, she called me. And she said, with your permission, I'd really like to see if we can try a different product and get it to work. And I said, well, what kind of product? She said, how about a closed-end home equity loan? And I was like, sure. Like, anything that you think you can make work, let's try it. Um, and so she did. And she said, in order to bring the debt-to-income ratio down to where it needed to be, and obviously this is all before my husband found out he got a new job, She's like, we also are going to have to pay off your private student loans as part of this loan. I wasn't crazy about that um, because it's taking 
unsecured credit card debt and student loan debt, and now making it secured debt against our house. But the overall balance of those is not that high. And I was like, if that's all it takes to get this to work and to cut my payment into like a third, sure. Because that was also then taking those payments that I hadn't considered and now getting rid of those. Yeah. So I was saving there's even a risk, more. But then there's an additional benefit from a cash flow standpoint. Exactly. Yeah. And so I told her, I was like, go with your bad self, like whatever you can do. And so she took it to underwriting and they pre-approved it. And I was at a car dealership <laughs> uh, getting something done to my car and I cartwheeled right in the car bay. <laughs> 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 I was so happy. Yeah. Um, and really just this huge sense of relief. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, that would explain why suddenly you can sleep at night knowing that uh, a lot of the, especially the cash flow issues and, and all the mental stuckness that that uh, caused was, was alleviated. Uh, and what's, what's also really interesting about what you just shared is that none of it would have likely have happened unless you were comfortable enough to open up to a colleague over lunch. Um, I know that's sort of a big theme of why we're doing this podcast is to show people that they're not alone to at least push back against the taboo in our society about talking about money. And if you would have just kept this to yourself or maybe amongst just a close circle of friends and family that maybe didn't have access to this knowledge, you might have still felt stuck. And so, um, so I'm glad you had that conversation. I'm glad you're having this conversation. And I have one final question for you. Um, what are your long-term dreams when it comes to money? A quick note, this interview was recorded several months before the COVID-19 pandemic and the travel restrictions that resulted. Long-term dreams when it comes to money. Um, we uh, we did not do a honeymoon. Instead, we renovated a bathroom. My husband is still upset about that. So I would say in the near future, we want to take our honeymoon to Iceland and Norway. Uh, we want to do that next spring. And then our plan after that is to then say, okay, now that we've had our big our last hurrah, then um, we're probably going to get ready to start having kids. And that is a financial undertaking in and of itself. Um, also him getting a new car, but that's kind of more like this year. Um, yeah. That's already in the world. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, mm -hmm. so thank you for, 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 for sharing your story. Hopefully it can help other people um, in their journeys. So thank you, Angela. Yeah. I always like to say I'm not funny about money, so I, I try to be open with people because that's how you learn. I'm joined now by my co-hosts, Brad and Alexandra. Alex will kick things off with some observations about different possible paths to home ownership. I believe home ownership can be an incredible financial investment that can also be hard to get into. I was excited to hear Angela's parents were willing to give her a loan to help her purchase and get into her first condo. I think when someone 
is starting out financially and trying to buy a home, it can be really challenging to save up enough funds to get into that first home. And not all of us have that opportunity to get a financial gift like Angela got, but I think it can still be achievable to purchase. Uh, for example, I was recently speaking to a friend about her finances, and one of her long-term goals was to buy a house. Uh, she didn't think she would be anywhere near that goal because she thought she'd have to pay off all of her student loans first and save 20% of a home purchase for her down payment. And hearing my friend say that, and me understanding that to be a common perception that homeownership is out of reach, I responded to her that I thought she might actually be able to buy sooner than she thought. I told her that there are programs out there for first-time homebuyers that make purchasing sooner possible. There might be grants available or 5% down payment programs. Um, and if somebody is interested in purchasing, I think it's worth talking to a local loan officer or even a housing counselor to see if it's achievable now or what tangible items you might need to be able to get there sooner. This friend that I talked to only two months ago, soon after our conversation, talked to a local loan officer, qualified for a low down payment program, and she just called me two days ago to say that she got an accepted offer on a house and she will be closing at the end of the month. So she went from thinking home ownership was maybe five years away to buying two months later. In my opinion, home ownership can be an incredible investment in your financial future. By working to pay off a home loan with a 15 or 30 year mortgage, you could eventually live mortgage free and have those additional funds help sustain your retirement or just have more financial freedom on a month to month basis. Another thing I wanted to lift up out of Angela's story is also the cost of home ownership. A lot of times we hear about how like the process of buying, but once we're actually in the house, it can also be costly. So it might be worth considering if homeownership is the right fit for you. When Angela said that her basement caved in. It was unexpected and very expensive. I think extensive savings on a monthly basis for an emergency is important with homeownership in order to avoid using credit uh, because sometimes credit isn't always available and it won't help you out in those emergency situations. I resonated with Angela's comment about updating one thing and the rest of it doesn't look nearly as good around you so you want to update the next thing right away. Uh, I personally, I bought my home three years ago and it's taken me a lot of restraint and time to slowly update my home with the money I have. I've been, for example, I've been wanting a new fingerprint resistant stainless steel um, refrigerator like one of those really tall skinny ones that makes the the kitchen look even bigger um, but I'm not going for it until I have plenty of cash to pay for it up front having been a counselor in the past I have seen many people once they've purchased a home to buy all the furniture and to make all the repairs and put those things on credit cards and then regret doing that later and wishing that they had done that in smaller steps here and there. Um, I think HGTV makes it all look so easy and affordable, but homeownership in reality is slow and steady with the updates and the things that we want to make it our home. It's definitely a wonderful opportunity. Uh, 
and it can be an expensive one as well. Alex, uh, that reminds me of the story of the tortoise and the hare. The, the moral of the story is that slow and steady wins the race, but that's sometimes easier said than done. I had asked Angela what advice she would give her past self, and she talked about the importance of patience. My understanding is that this can be a struggle in practice when you get caught up in the moment, like when Angela described the snowball where one home improvement project led to others and eventually credit card debt. Homeownership can be rewarding, and it could also come with a lot of risks, as we saw when Angela had expenses related to unanticipated structural issues on a couple of occasions. Angela bought a home in the winter, which meant she was unaware of the structural issues that existed below the snow and ice. She learned that despite a thorough inspection, buying a home in the winter limits the inspector's ability to catch certain issues. But how does one benefit from lessons like this when they're doing something for the first time? I'd invite our listeners to talk openly with others about your goals. And by others, I don't just mean experts. In my opinion, the greatest lessons can be learned from others who have worked through the goals you're trying to achieve. For example, something I took out of Angela's story is the importance of utilizing a home inspector to identify potential costs that might not be obvious. I've learned that having a projection of these costs can allow you to save in advance so you don't have to rely on credit when the unexpected occurs. Chris, I also connected with that part of Angela's story. This idea that she faced an obstacle and was able to connect with a coworker over lunch uh, to better understand what she might be able to do or some options that might be available to her. I think many times in my own life, I have found circumstances where I hadn't gone through an experience before and I reached out to a family member or a friend uh, who had gone through a similar experience and they were able to give me a lot of help, support, and ideas. Sometimes we're also in situations where we might not have anyone in our family that has gone through an experience like that. Maybe you're a first-time home buyer and no one in your family has ever bought a house before. That's really where an organization like GreenPath can be here to help. I would encourage any of our listeners to call GreenPath if you're struggling or having trouble or just not sure what to do when it comes to your financial situation. We're here to help and hopefully listen and give you some objective advice based on what your goals and your values are financially. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Alex. And thanks again to Angela for sharing your story and for Hero who created the music that will play us out. A quick reminder that we'd love your feedback. Simply go to www.greenpath.com slash real stories and click on the orange Take the Survey button. You can also find the link in our show notes. We recently surpassed 4,000 downloads. And on June 30th, we were ranked 15th in our category, U.S. Nonprofits, in Apple Podcasts. It took a team effort to get here, and our listeners are at the center of that team. I'll close by reading a review on Apple Podcasts that was written by Steve O52. Quote, when talking about financial struggles, it's so easy to dismiss decision-making as simply good or bad when it comes to handling money, as if it's obvious what to do or not, but it isn't that easy. Your podcast shines a light on the emotional and mental struggle we all find ourselves in when dealing with money. It helps us build empathy for others and lets us know we aren't alone in our struggles. Steve's words were written before the pandemic and the economic fallout resulting from it, and before a much-needed national conversation on how we might achieve greater racial equity. But they're an important reminder of the power of empathy and connection. Until next time.